0: Father, I also want to ask today that You just give us power in this time in worship of Your Word. Worshiping in Your Word, through Your Word. I ask, Father, for the help of the Holy Spirit in preaching His gifts and empowerment knowing that this is not anything that I can or would want to do on my own. So I ask for Your help, and I also pray for the help of the Holy Spirit in hearing that as the Word is read and spoken about, that You would enable us to hear. Truly to hear in a way that impacts our minds and our hearts your Word that is living and active, I pray today, God, that You would call people to Yourself in salvation who may not know You. Not even, if, even if they believe that they do, if that is not reality, I pray today that You would reveal to them true salvation in Christ and they would cry out to Him today and be saved. I pray for those who are... Wandering from you to be drawn back. To know your nearness and your love for them. I pray for those who are caught in sin or entanglements of this life, God. Worry, depression, addiction. I pray today you would set them free by your word and the power of your spirit. You are able, Your Word says, to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or imagine. And I I pray that You would do that today, that Your Spirit would move among us in visible ways and invisible, in quiet ways and in loud ways. And just as we read this morning in Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good, that today we would have right experience with You tangible experience with You. We're in, in, in that spiritual sense. We taste, we experience You and we know Your goodness. I ask that that would happen. That You would work this miracle among us and even among those who may watch this later. We love You, Father. We gather in Your name. Speak to us and help us. In Christ we ask this. Amen. So we are in um, week number four in this preaching series on prayer. It's good to see everybody today and glad that you are here to, to worship with us. And we have been building a foundation the last several weeks on different aspects of prayer. And now we're going to build on that foundation further and talk about, study about, asking God for our request Now, when it comes to making requests of God in prayer, you and I are a product of our life, how we were raised, the churches that we came up in, if we attended church, our experiences in asking God for things, even our personality, all of those things and many more can combine to influence whether or not We go before God and ask Him for things. And if we do go before Him and ask Him for things, exactly how we do that. Some people find themselves in a place where making requests of God is all their prayer life is about. That if you were to remove from them petitioning God for their hopes or their needs, there would be nothing left because prayer is only about making requests. On the other hand, some people find themselves in a place and a persuasion where they think God helps those who try to figure it out on their own first. And they find themselves in a place of where they they really only pray when they cannot figure out a way forward. They pray about the big Things, the big circumstances in life, and nothing more than that. And so when we get to this sermon text today in Philippians 4, what I am hoping for us to see together is how God calls His people to a balanced life in prayer. One in which the principal cause of you praying is that you desire to walk with God. And that is the principal reason why you give yourself to prayer. is because you want to be with your Father. But at the same time, that you will see that as you walk with God, maturing in faith means that you learn to pray about everything. Because you realize the more you mature in your relationship with God, that you are dependent upon Him for everything. And so that comes out in your life in prayer. So let's go to Philippians 4. And let's walk through this together. I do want to say, because I didn't say this last week, in, um, even though I may become a meme on social media on behalf of my son-in-law, who uh, apparently makes those quite often. If you do not have a Bible this morning, we would love to gift you one. Uh, and so if you are in need of a good study Bible for you or for your kids, uh, if you would let me know or let Nick know before you leave today, and we have a study Bible that we would, um, we would love to give you so that you can read God's Word on your own. So walking through Philippians 4, we are looking at how we ask God for our request. And we are using this passage of Scripture to do that. And so right away, asking God for our request... Number one thing that we see in this text, and if you're a note taker, we're going to fill in these blanks together. First of all, find joy in God. Find joy in God. Philippians 4, verse 4, as Mike said, Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He repeats it. Now, I believe the exhortation to find joy in God in verse 4 is connected to the exhortation to pray about your request in verse 6. I don't think these are two separate commands. I believe they are directly connected together. Joy in God and making appeals to God are intricately linked in the Christian life. So that's where Paul starts. Find your joy in the Lord. Find your joy in his presence. Let's look at this life truth together. And this is really a restatement of what we've already been studying in this series. We must embrace prayer as a means of relational maturity with God and not merely transactional success. We must embrace prayer as a means of relational maturity. And not merely transactional success. I realize that's a little wordy, but let me try to explain what I mean here. At its core, prayer is about communication. In prayer, you are expressing yourself to God and you are learning to hear His voice back to you. You do that primarily by His Spirit through His Word, although there are other ways in which God speaks that will always be in line with His Word. But that's the core of prayer. It's talking with God, communicating with God. Your communication in life, you communicate every single day, and your communication always has a purpose to it. If you call your credit card company, With an issue about your bill, you are communicating with them. You have a purpose. You want to make a transaction. You call them so that you can express a need, they can fix it, and you can move on with your life. You are looking for transactional success. I need you to do the thing that I have called you to do. Now, if you go with your spouse to eat dinner... And talk about an issue in your marriage. You're also communicating. And communicating with a purpose. But it's vastly different than calling your credit card company. If it's not, there's some things to work through. The discussion there is relational. You may be communicating about an issue. About a need. But you also want that relationship to grow and mature in the process of of working on the issue. It's personal. Not just transactional. And the reason that I bring that up is because I think too often as Christians, what happens is our aim in prayer is we want transactional success. Prayer can become a means by which we go to God and we express to Him what the issue is. Here is my need. And often, we help God out and we express to Him how He can fix the need. We line it up for Him. Here's what I need you to do. And we want Him to take care of this and we can move forward. But if that's how we see prayer, that it's about a transaction between us and God where we give Him a need, And He answers it so we can move forward. What happens when He doesn't answer? What happens when there's a delay? What happens when He doesn't do what we needed Him to do or wanted Him to do? Or He doesn't do it in the way that we asked? We may find ourselves confused. We may find ourselves frustrated. We may even stop praying altogether. And we say things like, that doesn't work for me. So why pray? God wants us to bring before Him our request. But He wants us to do it in the context of a maturing relationship with Him. Not just to make a transaction. It's not exactly like the marriage illustration because in the marriage illustration, both parties need to mature. When we pray, we understand that we're Who needs to mature? It's us. We want to grow and we want to learn. We want to mature in our affection for God and our knowledge of Him as we pray. We want our prayers to mature. If you've been walking with Christ for a while, you probably know that there are things that you would ask of Him and pray for Him to do five years ago that you wouldn't ask in the same way today. You've matured in your understanding of God and what prayer is about. And that's what God wants, but He wants you to do that in the context of relationship. He wants you to come before Him with all of your requests and say, God, here's what I need. Here are my hopes. But even as I lay these before you, please help me to grow in knowing you. Please help me to grow in knowing your heart for me and your heart for my world. And when that is your aim, and you find joy in being with your Father, like Paul says to the church here, then you will likely not fall away in prayer when maybe things don't come together the way that you hoped that they would. I think believers who are most effective in prayer Are those who find joy in the presence of God first. We read Psalm 34 to start this morning. Sometimes we sing that Psalm together as a church. I sought the Lord and he answered me. Not I sought a thing from the Lord. I sought the Lord. Relationship and connection. And He answered me. And delivered me from every fear. Worship comes before the answer. Magnify the Lord with me, church. Come and exalt His name together. You will lack no good thing. In the song, I think Shane and Shane does it, or at least we... A version of it. They say, He will give you everything. Is that true? Is that really true? God will give you everything. Yes, everything that's good. And I say that to you on the basis of Psalm 84. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk with Him. The reality is sometimes our definition of what is good and God's definition of what is good is different. But the promise of the Word is He withholds no good thing in His timing from those who walk before Him. So church, before we get to asking of our request, embrace prayer as a means to grow with God, to find joy in Him. Find joy in God and know that God, who you delight in, gives His saints everything that is good for Him. Everything that is good for them. Number two, be gracious to others. Still looking at instructions for prayer. I believe this is also connected to making our requests known. Look at verse 5. After he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, again I will say rejoice. He says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Be reasonable people and make that reasonableness known. Reasonableness can also be translated as graciousness, which is good because reasonableness is hard to say. A byproduct of joyfully spending time with God in prayer is that you become like Him. And our God is a gracious God. The more you spend time with God in prayer, the more gracious you become. The more kind and forgiving you become. There are a couple of places in the New Testament where God indicates to us that the health of our prayers is sometimes tied to how we treat other people. For example, in Matthew 6.15, Jesus indicates that our willingness to forgive and show mercy to other people who have hurt us can directly impact our own ability to walk in forgiveness when we ask for it. That's right. 1 Peter 3.7 directly tells husbands that if they fail to be kind and gentle with their wives, it can impede their prayers. We're not told how it may impede them, whether that may mean that they just can't pray or where it whether it means God may withhold the blessing of answering their prayers, but we are told there that that hindrance may exist. And I personally do not believe that that is simply a warning for husbands. I think that is a principle for all believers. I don't think the conclusion to that is that every time we intentionally sin against someone else or refuse to show grace to someone else, that God will refuse to answer our prayers. I think because of Christ, God is often kind to us in answering our prayers despite our sin. I think we live in that experience every single day. But at the same time, I think the New Testament so closely ties our love for God with love for other people, especially those in the church, that we need to heed this warning. That if we intentionally withhold from others the grace God has given us, it can, when God chooses, impact the effectiveness of our prayers. So as we rejoice in God and we pray to find joy in Him, we should pray to be gracious as He is. To show others the kindness that He has shown us. For the health of our relationship with people, especially those in the church, but also our health in prayer and our effectiveness in praying. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And it brings us to the third instruction. Let the promise of the nearness of God calm you and take you to prayer. Let the promise of the nearness of God calm you and take you to prayer. After he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, he then says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Paul's statement is worth underlining and highlighting in your Bibles. God is near to you. Believers who hear this, God is near. He is not a far off God. He is close to you. He is close to your situation. The whole principle of Christianity is God descended to us. He is near us. And unbelievers who may hear this, Paul's message in Acts 17 to the non-believers in Athens, was that God was not far from any of them. And even he told Athens that God was working through their circumstances. It might seem random to them where they were born and when they were born and the circumstances of their life, but Paul says it's not random. He has designed things in your life that you might turn and find God. That you might look to Him. If you hear this today or you hear this in the future and you are not a follower of Christ, you don't know what you believe about any of this. I'm not trying to sell you anything. And I'm certainly not trying to capture you into religious practice that is devoid of sincerity. I just want to express to you That the nearness of God is the one constant I have seen my entire life. That in the midst of my sin and my lostness, when I cared nothing about Him and nothing about what He wanted in my life, He was near me and calling me to Himself and He persisted in that and did not give up on it. And He is no respecter of persons. I believe in God today in His nearness the same as I believe in the existence of my kids. And that reality can be yours too. If I had the power to convince you of anything today it would be that Christ is alive and He is not far from you if you will seek Him. And if you say, I don't understand any of this, you can't without faith. None of us can. So confess that you can't understand it and ask Him to help you and answer His call. And believers, believers who hear this, no matter what it may feel like, because of the horrible week you've had or how many times you've fallen into temptation and old habits and you feel like you're a million miles away from God, He is near you. He has not left you. He's not abandoned you. And that truth should be calming to your soul in the midst of your anxieties. That truth should be calming to you in the midst of your life. He is near you. Psalm 62, David says, God is a refuge for us. What happens if you were to get called out in the open in the middle of a storm? What do you look for? A refuge. And what do you do when you find that refuge? You run into it. Not to it, into it. You look for a refuge to run into. What should a believer do? What should an unbeliever do who hears the gospel in the midst of their anxieties of life and you are seeking calmness and you don't know where to find it? God is the refuge and you run into Him. Not just to Him, like He is far off, but into Him and He draws you in. How do you run into God who is near you? You start by prayer. And that is where Paul goes. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. That's not, that's a command that's not possible if you think about it in terms of I'm cutting myself off from worry and cares and anxiety. Because you're always going to have those feelings come up of worry. You're always going to have those feelings come up of, of anxiety. What Paul is saying is when anxiety comes and care comes, When worry hits you, don't embrace it. Run into your refuge. Stop what you're doing and pray. What do we pray about? The next blank. Everything. Look at what he says. Don't be anxious about anything, don't give in to the worry, don't embrace it. It's going to be there. Don't let your mind go to the worst possible outcome. Run into God in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. Pray about everything. Paul is clear. In everything by prayer. In every matter of your life that is a concern for you, pray. A care for you, pray. A hope Pray. A worry. Pray. A need. Pray. Pray about everything. Pray about it all. One, one definitive thing I remember from my childhood that was so small, and some people would have ridiculed it, but it has stuck with me for 40 years. Is my dad always worked night shift, and my mom and I were always alone at night, and every time we went to the grocery store, I can remember my mom before we get, get, got there praying that we would find a parking space, parking space up front under a light. And that may seem silly, and that may some some Christians, some people would say well, they would ridicule that. They don't pray about things like that. My mom prayed about everything. Forty years later, I still remember that. I always remember we found a space right where we needed it. It's not super spiritual to only pray about the big things. Mature believers learn to pray about everything. Take your requests to Him often. He is inviting you to run into Him because He is near. Pray about whatever is on your heart. If you have a hope... And worries coming up that that hope won't come together, stop what you're doing and pray. If you're angry at someone, if you're angry at the world around you, if you're angry about what you see happening in the world, if you're angry about what you see on social media, before you do anything, stop and pray. Stop and pray for that person, stop and pray for that situation. Stop and pray. If you're working on a car and you can't get a bolt off and frustration and anxiety are building up in your heart, stop and pray. God is near. Pray about everything. The Bible says pray without ceasing. This is how we do that. It doesn't mean you live your life in a prayer closet although you should take time to go and be alone with God and pray, but it means your whole day, your whole life, you pray about everything. Sometimes you'll be able to stop in the moment and just take two or three minutes and pray. Sometimes it's going to have to be quick. We said obey every impulse to pray last week. Every time you feel the Holy Spirit give you an impulse to pray, obey. And discipline yourself to stop and pray about everything. If you think God only wants you to run into Him with the big things, you're going to miss a lot of grace that He has in store for you. A lot of grace. He invites you to pray about it all. And church, you rejoice in the reality that you have a Father who cares about you that much. Because if you're a parent in this room, you know there is nothing with your child that you don't care about. And your Father in Heaven cares about you that much. So we pray about everything, but I don't want you to notice, excuse me, I don't want you to not notice, I don't want you to miss how He says pray. I skipped over it a moment ago on purpose, but I want to come back to it. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I will be the first to say, I skip that often. But we don't need to. We pray about everything with constant gratitude. pray about everything with constant gratitude. This is critically important. It's not just a little phrase that Paul threw in. This is critically important that Paul says to make your requests known to God with thanksgiving. In other words, you saturate your prayers, your requests to God with statements of gratitude. Acknowledging all He is and all He has done for you. You thank Him Based on the promise that he is near you and you can run into him and you thank him for the promises of his word that he has heard you. That is the key difference in someone who prays for the purpose of a maturing relationship with God and a person who just prays for the transaction of getting an answered prayer. Remember when Jesus healed the lepers? One came back to thank Him and He said, there were several of you, weren't there? We sometimes move from one request to another request to another request to another request without thanking God. Without gratitude of acknowledging all He's done. When you're thankful and you start off your prayers... Remembering all that God has done for you. And God answers your prayer. It is grace upon grace upon grace in your heart. It's just compounding that thankfulness. And when you're thankful, and you pray and there's a delay, or it doesn't seem like your request is being heard, thankfulness protects your heart from bitterness. Thankfulness protects your heart from wandering away from God. Or wandering away from prayer. Because being expressively thankful orients your heart toward His goodness. And so you're able to say, God, this is not happening in the timing that I wanted it to. God, this is not happening in the way that I wanted it to. God, I don't feel like the answer is coming as I hoped, but I know You are good. And here's all the reasons I know that you're good. And here's all the things that I've seen you do in my life. And all the things that you have worked for me. And I know that you haven't stopped that. You haven't stopped caring for me. That thankfulness protects you as you pray for your request. The Lord is near don't be anxious about it, anything, but in everything, run into Him by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, and let your requests be made known to God. He invites you. Does He know what you need before you pray? Absolutely. And what does He say do? Pray. Ask me for your request. Ask me for your request. Ask me for your request. And then Paul Moves from an instruction about prayer to a promise about prayer. And, which means he's connecting what he is about to say to what he just said. Rejoice in Him. Be gracious to others. Know that He is near. Run into Him in prayer with thanksgiving. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. He will guard us in peace. That's the promise. He will guard us in peace. When every feeling and thought of anxiousness that pops up in you is met by you running into God in prayer with thanksgiving, His promise is that He will give you peace that will keep you from drifting away in panic or confusion. Peace is the result of knowing that God is near you. Peace is the result of knowing that the God who is near you is all-powerful and every circumstance in your life must bow to Him. Your life is not random. It is not out of control. He is sovereign and He is on His throne and He is near you. And not only is the God who is near you all-powerful, but He is gracious and He loves you and He cares about you. And He does not call you to bring every request to Him so that He can ignore you or fail you. He calls you to bring every request to Him that He might answer you in the way and the time that is good for you because He withholds nothing good from His people. We don't always know what's good for us. I know that I come back to this all the time. I know that I do. I know if you've been here, you've you've heard this over and over. It is the joy of my life to get to do this and get to do it here. Because I know what my life looked like when I pulled up on that side of the parking lot almost 20 years ago. But for 10 years, I prayed that God would let me leave. Not because I didn't love this church, because I wanted to go pastor. I wanted to be sent out from this church. For ten years, I asked God to let me pastor a church. And for ten years, He kept telling me, wait, 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 wait. What I thought was good was about a year before He allowed me to pastor this church. What I thought was good was we were going to be pastoring a church two states from here. My wife was not convinced it was that good, but I was. We don't always know what's good. But the promise is, run to me, I will answer. I will not withhold anything good from you. So ask me. And I will give you what is good in my way and in my timing. But if we try to pray our request apart from that kind of relationship with God, we may never get to peace. Peace comes from praying in the way that Paul has laid out for us. I put in your handout this little diagram. It comes from a book on prayer that I highly recommend to you. It's called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. There's two copies on the resource table in the back. It's one of the best, most practical books that I have read on prayer. And in it, he talks about what he calls good asking. And he he pictures good asking as this narrow path, much like Christ described our walk with Him as a narrow path. And on either side of this narrow path, there is a potential for error. So if you're looking at the little diagram, on the left side, there is the error of not asking God for anything. This is a believer who feels separated from God, You note that line between God and me. There's a separation there, a wall. You feel separated from God. And that separation may be caused by a lot of things. You may not believe that God will hear you when you pray. You may not believe that He cares about you. You may not believe that you are worthy enough for Him to hear you. It may be like we talked about earlier. You may think you're only supposed to pray about the big things. You may not believe that God still intervenes miraculously. You may have had times in your life where you ask Him for things that didn't happen the way that you ask. And you may may have just stopped asking God. I'll tell you this, some people don't pray because they have a strong belief in the sovereignty of God. I'm one of the people who have a strong belief in the sovereignty of God. But sometimes, when we know with our heart that God is ultimately in control of all those things, we sometimes are weak in asking God to do things. Because our mind is, God's going to do what He's going to do regardless, with or without me. And we ignore the fact that God told His church in James 4.2, there are some things you will not have unless you ask. In, in the sovereignty of God, he has designed that there are things in our life that we will not have unless we ask him. And he tells the church in he tells the church in that day, some things you don't have because you're just out trying to get it on your own and you haven't even asked me for it. And you don't have it because you haven't asked. And so the answer, whatever it may be, to why we don't ask, the answer is ask. And ask boldly. I hope we get to it in the next couple of weeks of of talking about prayer. But there are some outrageous, outrageous promises from God about prayer. I think I'm going to try to use one of them next week. But there's an amazing story about when Jesus' disciples ask Him to teach them how to pray. And Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer which you would expect. Okay, a model prayer. And then immediately he tells them a story. Apparently I'm going to tell it now. But anyway, he gives them a story and he says there was a man that was asleep and his friend comes and knocks on the door and says, will you get up and give me something? And the man says, go away and leave me alone. I'm in bed asleep. And the guy just keeps banging on the door and keeps knocking and keeps knocking and keeps knocking until the guy finally has enough, gets up and gives him what he asked for. And Jesus says he gets it because of his impudence. Which is a word that means his shameless asking. Jesus told that story when his disciples said, teach me to pray. I don't think it means you badger God until he finally answers. But if that wicked man finally gives in to his friend because of his shameless asking... Jesus says your good, gracious Father will respond when you ask and you ask and you keep knocking and you keep knocking. So ask boldly. Ask persistently. Now, on the other side is the error of asking in the wrong way. In James 4.3, right after he says some things you don't have because you don't ask, he then says God sometimes doesn't answer your prayers because they're self-centered prayers. Sometimes you are praying and you're trying to demand that God do your will. And so in the diagram, it's me above God telling God how to do what needs to be done. Sometimes we demand that God do something that we want. Sometimes we demand God prove Himself to us. God, if You're real, do this, and then I'll believe. It's where we place ourselves above God and we treat prayer as the means by which God gives us our requests, apart from relationship with Him. Sometimes we even do that under the guise of faith, by the way. I grew up in a, in a setting in which we were led, we were really led to believe that if you were praying for something, okay, you had to pray with complete faith, and if you were to say something like, God, if it is your will, that that opened up the door to doubt and it would wreck your prayer. We try to make faith to be this means like, if I have enough of it, God has to do what I'm asking. We are to pray boldly and ask God for great things, but we also remember He's God. He knows what we don't know. He sees what we can't see. And there are times when it's not God's will to give us our request. Because it's not the good thing that He has for us or for His glory. And when we ask God for bold things, we must be submitted to that. He's God. Good asking is to ask boldly while surrendering completely. Good asking is to pray bold, Bible-saturated prayers With faithful, persevering, believing that God has ordained our prayers to move him to act. And while we pray, we do so unwavering in our belief that we can submit to him and we can submit to his timing in everything because he is good and gracious and loving and kind. So we pray boldly with surrender. That is good asking. I want to ask the worship team if they'll come up. As they do, I want to pose a question to you and I want to ask, like, don't, don't go anywhere because I want us to respond to God's Word. I want to ask you a question that I often ask our leaders in this room on Sunday mornings. We gather up in here to pray At 10 o'clock. By the way, that's not an exclusive prayer time. If you ever want to come at 10 and join us to pray, come right in that room. We'd love for you to come and pray with us. But I I often ask that group of leaders, the worship team and and leaders of the church and of the service, I often ask them this question. I say often. I've asked it several times. What would you ask God for? If you believed that He would hear you and give you what you asked. And that your asking was the only means by which He would bring it about. If you really believe that, that that God would, would give me anything that I ask Him for that's in line with His will, in His Word, but the only way that I'll have it Is if I ask, what would you ask God for? God matures us and He matures our prayers. He teaches us things to ask for and what not to ask for. But He never stops calling us to ask. I want to pose that question to you today. What would you ask Him for? For your life, for your church, for your marriage? for your family, your career, your witness for Him, your heart before Him, what would you ask Him for? Today I want us to respond to God and I want us to respond to His Word by asking Him for our request. I want you to spend this time as we worship asking God, for what you would request of Him. And I, I want to ask you that as you do that, you listen for Him and what He says. You can ask where you are, sitting or kneeling. You can ask while you stand and worship. Or you can come up to the front here and kneel. But what would you ask God for? And I, I, I want I want you to probe deep What would you really ask Him for? I think by His Word, He's calling us to do that. So I want us to fill this room or in your homes, if you're watching this later, for the next few minutes, believing His Word that He is near and that He'll answer when we pray. some things we won't have unless we ask. Some things we may be asking for the wrong reasons so we need to listen to God as He speaks to our heart and directs our prayers. But let's run into Him. What are you anxious about? What are you worried about? What do you care about? What's on your heart? Run to Him with that. Run into Him with that. Ask boldly knowing that He is God, and you're surrendered to Him as you pray. We have some prayer partners that are going to be to my left. If in your asking, you want to pray with someone, you can come, and they will pray with you or for you. I'm going to go over here to my right. And I'm going to ask that if you have a specific request related to your relationship with Jesus, in particular, that you are wrestling with where you are right now with Christ, that you would come and let me pray with you. That would be a bold step. Might be the longest walk of your life. but I want to ask that you would believe that He is near, and that He cares about you, and your wandering or your lostness, and whatever questions you may have about that relationship, if you are wrestling with it, I would love to pray with you about that. Father, my ask of You today is that You would hear us as we pray. That we would be a church that would rejoice in You. That we would be a people that would be gracious as You are. That our prayers would be healthy as we show others the grace You've given us. That we would know that You are near and not far. And that every moment of our life that we feel anxiousness or worry or a burden for someone or frustration that we would run into You in prayer. That You would hear our request and that You would give us what is good in Your timing. I pray You would do miraculous things, God. That we would see Your kingdom come and Your power in our lives even right now that we might glorify You and witness about Your power to others. I pray that You would give us gratitude in our hearts to pray with thanksgiving for all You are and all You have done. And I pray that Your peace would surround us at all times. Peace that would propel us into the mission that You've given us. God, You know every need in this room. You have called us to ask You for our request. As we pour our heart out to You this morning, God, in whatever way You lead us to, please hear us. If there's anyone here far from You, wrestling with You, unsure about You, would You lead them today to Your nearness and even to salvation? Jesus, let us be thankful that You have done it all for us that everything we have talked about today is because You died on a cross in our place receiving the punishment for our sins. And that is why we have the opportunity to come to God who is near us. Receive from Him and rejoice in His presence. Jesus, let us be thankful for You today and let us know You today. In Your name we pray. Amen.